your words. Amen. How many realize your words are impacting your future, your life, right where you're at today? You know, numbers where God says, I will do to you exactly what I heard you say. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Some of us are in... A little bit of yogurt right there, all right? We got we to gotta fix that, amen? So we're, we're going to be talking about words today. I know you've been up and down and up and down, but I'm going to have you do it one more time. Grab your Bible. Let's hold it up and make a confession together. Just hold that Bible up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind and a teachable spirit from this moment forward. I will never be the same. Shout that out. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God one more praise. He's worthy. Father, we exalt you. Amen. Our words. You know, have you, you got to stop and realize that if, if you were created in the image of God, in the likeness of God, then what God said happened. And then, you know, Proverbs even says the power of death and life are in the tongue. A lot of times we, we focus on the fact that the power of death's in the tongue so we don't want to say anything negative. Well, life ain't going to get out there either until you start speaking it. Okay? You want to release life in some things, you've got to start saying it, right? You've got to open your mouth. You've got to speak it. Can't be afraid to speak to that mountain. Not, not about it, but you've got to talk to it, right? You're not using your words to define a thing. You're using your words to change some things. And you have authority. You, you're not uh, some beat up, uh, you know, from the street up kind of loser, barely making it through life. No, you've been created by God. You're wired to win. You've got what it takes to demonstrate the enemy's defeat. You, you can live and humiliate hell. Aren't, aren't you tired of a defeated enemy messing with your life all the time? Well, let's rise up and be who God's called us to be, and let's wreak havoc on the devil. Amen. You've got the right, you have the authority, you are positioned of God to wreak havoc on, on the enemy. So let's do it. Amen. You know, sometimes we look at trouble, we look at problems, we look at situations, and, uh, and you know, it's like, oh, man, I'm just sick of this. I'm tired of this. Well, wait, you want great victory. Everybody I know wants great victory, but you can't get great victory without great battle. Right? If you have a little bitty battle, then you get a little bitty victory. We all want great victory. So God's positions you for great victory. So I guess really, you know, if this was Saturday night, we'd say something like, well, quit your whining, start shining. Right? But since it's Sunday morning, it would be really, really nice. Okay, praise God. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 3.18 for a minute. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And uh, it says, but we all... But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. We all. Everybody say, we all. Okay, how many of us would that be? That'd be all of us, right? We're all looking in like in a mirror, and we see the glory of God. We behold as in a glass the glory of God. You are the glory of God. He's a creator, and his creation manifests his glory. You're the glory of God. Look somebody close say, you got glory on you. We all are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord, from glory unto glory. The problem is is that many of us are living from glory unto glory. Okay, we're going from chaos to chaos, from, from heartbreak to heartbreak, from mess up to mess up. How many of you realize that in life there will be tribulation? But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Why? Because if you're in Christ, you're a world overcomer. He said, I have overcome the world. 
First John 4 says, he who is born of God has already overcome and defeated him. You're already, you're already walking in victory if you're in Christ. Do you believe the word of God? I said, do you believe the word of God? Are you just singing it? Come on, guys. We're believers, right? We got a little bit, we're a little deeper than the t-shirt. We got the t-shirt, but we got, we got more than just the t-shirt. We got a little bit more than a bumper sticker, right? We got, we got the power of God, the, the life of God inside of us. John 10, 10, he said, I've come that you might have and enjoy life, an abundant life to the top till it overflows. In abundance to the top till it overflows. We're talking about God life, Zoe life operating inside of you. You got Zoe inside of you. Hell is nervous. Because if you ever find out what you got on the inside of you, you're going to begin to change some things. All of a sudden, the tables turn now. Why? Because you understand who you are. See, if you understand who you are, you know what that is? That also tells you who you're not. Okay? It, when you get in the Word of God, you are not going to find out that you're defeated. Uh-uh. You're going to find out that you are victorious. You are more than a conqueror through Christ, right? You are, you are more than a conqueror. You could be like Paul, who in Philippians 4.13, he said, I'm ready for anything equal to everything that comes my way through Christ who is infusing me with an inner strength. Man, I think about that. That's a change of attitude right there for a lot of us, isn't it? I'm ready for and equal to anything that comes my way. Instead of saying, hang on, we're saying, come on. Go ahead, bring it on. Might as well, hey, if you're going to go through it, you might as well get it done, right? So you might as well have a paradigm shift, change your mentality, and realize if God says I can do this, then I can do this. I'm not going to just stand here and hold this up and say, I can do what this says and not believe it. Come on, guys. I know it's first service, and I know that you're just desperate in need of one more cup of caffeine, but the fact of the matter is is that you got the life of God operating inside of you. Man, created in his image. Check it out. Genesis 1.26. Most of us, we know all this stuff, but we're going to make a tape today for people who aren't here. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. God's making man in his image. Look at 27. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created he, him. Male and female, he created he, them. Look at 28. God blessed them, and God said to them. How did God bless them? He said, right? How do you bless you, you say, right? The, the blessing is not the car. It's not the house. It's not the promotion. That's the result of the blessing. Remember, the word blessing means the empowerment to win or succeed in any given situation in life. You have been blessed of God. You ain't going to get blessed. You are blessed. If you're waiting until you get blessed, you're going to be waiting a long time because you've been blessed your entire life. You're already a winner. You're already positioned to win. If, you're, if you are in Christ, you're, you already got God life in you. What, you what, what, what are we waiting for? I mean, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead has now quickened us. He's inside of it. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. Oh, somebody let it out. Come on now, let's start taking steps of faith. Faith is not believing regardless of the circumstances, obeying regardless of the consequence. Herein lies our problem. 
Look at this. He blessed them and said, when he blessed them, he empowered them to win or succeed. How? By making them fruitful. It gave them the power to multiply, to replenish the earth, to, to subdue it. He, he put them in control. A lot of people waiting for God to do something, and he already did. He empowered you. Okay? Your, your world might be in the midst of chaos. That's not a problem. Some, I, I think sometimes we, we look at it and we think, wow, you know, this thing is messed up. That's good. Why? So you can fix it. So you can demonstrate some authority. Man, you, you, you know what? You, you need to operate in that authority that God's given to you. You, you need to understand your authority. You need to understand that, that the enemy has power, but you have authority. The devil ain't got authority. You do. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the evil. Destroy, not break. Something that's broken can be repaired. Something that's destroyed is annihilated forever. So when Jesus came, he annihilated. He annihilated the works of evil. Well, how come they're still here? So you can demonstrate their defeat. Well, I mean, one more blow from the cross and the, we, Satan wouldn't even be around. Well, why did he leave him here? So you could demonstrate his defeat. He like a chihuahua. You know what a chihuahua is? Right? Some of you guys, I hope, you know, if you own a chihuahua, God bless your heart. <laughs> chihuahua, a little teeny rat with a hormone problem that they call a dog. That's not a dog. St. Bernard, Rottweiler, that's a dog. Chihuahua, that's a rat. And you know what's crazy is that Chihuahua has an attitude, right? And you got to be careful if you own a Chihuahua because you got to get them signs that says, beware of dog. Hang them out there because that dog is protective. It's, it's a guard dog. And they build fences to hold them in the yard. The cool thing is the fence only got to be that tall. Right? You're walking down the street and here comes the Chihuahua. And you know what's weird is people are afraid of Chihuahuas. Here, the, here comes out, here comes that little dog and he's yapping at, yapping at. All you got to do to shut him up is say, shut up! And, and the dog runs back the other way. That's like the enemy. He's just a chihuahua. He didn't run around, make a lot of noise. He's messing with your day and you got a headache from all the barking. Well, shut him up. You have the authority to shut him up. Jesus said, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have perfected praise. He was quoting from Psalms 8, where it says, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have ordained strength to silence the enemy. How do you silence the enemy? Through your praise. You got to change your attitude. You got to quit describing your chaos and start praising God that the authority has been given to you. Praise God that he who you know, lives in me is greater than he who's moving around in the world. Come on, guys. We got we, we to live like believers now. Right? I said we got to live like believers. We got to quit, quit acting so depressed. There's nothing, nothing as sad as a depressed believer. If you are depressed, you need to hang around with some life people, get them to sow life seed in you, and break that depression off. Right? Now, I realize depression's real. I realize pain is real. But when it's lasted for years and years, you got to realize you got to change your understanding. Be careful of your understanding. Right? You got to get back to Mark 4, last week's tape. You got to develop an understanding so that you can operate in that authority so you can break that off. Why? Because God has positioned you to win and succeed, and he's actually taught you how to deal with chaos. Now we got to do it. Okay, we got a job to do, we, we, and, and, and you know where you get to start? Your house, your life. 
You, you get to speak to the darkness, and you get to watch it go away. Look at this, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Let's go right to the beginning of the book. Gee, I wonder why it's first. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Look at that for a minute. In the beginning, so this is where we started, God created the heaven and the earth. And, and can I just submit this thought to you that, that really a lot of us are really looking forward to heaven, but you realize that heaven wasn't really created for man, and man wasn't really created for heaven. Before the fall, man was supposed to rule and reign on earth, right? So God's going to rule and reign in heaven, and you're going to rule and reign on earth. All through your Bible, it talks about godliness. And then we, you know, and, and I don't mean to, to be uh, derogatory, but then we get into denominational thinking, and we think that godliness is the way you wear your hair and the type of clothes you wear and whether or not you wear too much makeup and if you have chewing gum on or, you know, in your mouth or whatever. That's not godliness. Godliness is godlikeness. It, it, it means to be like God. So what God's doing in heaven, you're supposed to be doing on the earth. You are made in his image and in his likeness. So you are like God. Ephesians says, be imitators of God, even as dear children imitate their father. You're supposed to be like God. So you're supposed to look at a situation, and you're supposed to, uh, to consider what would God do here, and then you do that. Why? Because you like God. You're made in his image. See, if you, if you shift out of that, and you get over here into a carnal image, and you're, you're having carnal thoughts. Doesn't the Bible say to be carnally minded is death? But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Death is not dead. Death is separation. Remember the prodigal son took off, squandered his money, decides to come home. His father, seeing him afar off, said, give me a coat, give me a ring, give me shoes, kill the fatted calf, for this my beloved son who was dead is alive again. Well, he, obviously he wasn't dead, but he had been separated from his father. To be carnally minded will separate you from the final outcome, the end result that God had planned for you, Right? There is a way, Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but at the end thereof are the ways of death. At the end of what seemed right to you, you'll be separated from the end that God created you for. So you can't do it your way. You got to do it his way. Isaiah, he said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts aren't your thoughts for my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's not a, he's not pointing out and saying, you're a loser and I'm a winner. No, that's an invitation to come up to his level of thought, Right? He's telling you guys, you, you can't be living carnal now. You got to be led by the spirit. And it just like the enemy to convince you that to be spirit led would be to be spooky. If you're going to, if you're going to live a life of the spirit, you're going to be weird. No, if you're going to live a life led by the spirit, you're going to be victorious. Now you can't be afraid of the spirit. You, you got to be led by the spirit. How you can be led by something you're afraid of. That might be a whole nother series, you know. How to, how to get over spooky. Just, it is not our goal in life to be as weird as we can get. It is our goal in life to be as godlike as we can get. Right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now look at verse 2. And the earth was without form and void. You think God created it that way? He didn't create it without form and void. Darkness wasn't upon the face of the deep. Something came in and messed up God's creation. Something, listen to me, something messed up God's creation. There's a reason that God's going to take man and put him in the garden and tell him to dress and keep it. Why? Because he's, you know, honestly, what God's getting ready to do as he goes through this creation process and he takes man and puts him there and, and he says, look, I've given you authority. Now I'm going to rule and reign in heaven. You're going to rule and reign on this earth. You're going you're to fill the earth with glory. 
Okay? We're, we're going to run the enemy out of town. He's messing with creation, so we're going to mess with him. So the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The earth was without form, without form, without form. You know what without form means? It means blurred or out of focus. If you, if you have a camera and you're going to take a picture and the camera moves when you push the button, you get the picture and you get the information, but it's usually blurry or out of focus. See, what happens is, is that the image that we project to the world of what God looks like is, a, is our life, right? When people look at you, shouldn't they see God? Shouldn't they see Jesus? Yeah, but what do they get? They get a blurry picture. All, you know, we, we know something's in there, but we're not sure what. See, I'm not the world's greatest photographer. You know, I just take the snap, and, and when I get home and look at it, it's usually messed up. Well, the fact is, is that that's how we live our life in front of the world. Most of the time, when we're, even when we look at the picture of our life, we, we, we know something's in there, but we're not sure what. Well, why? Because we're so unstable. We allow so many things to shake us, to move us, to change us. We're unsure of who we are. Well, we got, we got to get back into the Word. We got to find out who God says we are so that we can take that stand. You know, we sang it this morning, speaking to this mountain, be thrown to the ocean, right? Uh, the authority that you've given to me. And no matter what happens, here I am standing. No, I said, no matter what happens. Well, yeah, but I, I, I was believing for this and I haven't seen it yet. No matter what happens. Would you please be stable? You know, the only thing, the only power that has the ability to sink your faith is the second thought. If you have a second thought, the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You've you got to stand on the Word of God. When you do what he said, he will produce what he promised every single time. You don't have to give it a second thought. Don't give it a second thought. Be, sta- be secure. Stand your ground. A lot of times we're asking for stuff, and God's got a plan. You, you know, a lot of times it's so easy to get outside God's plan. Remember Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Here's my plan to prosper you, not harm you, give you hope in the future. Can I submit that if life is not on the increase, if you're not prospering, could it possibly be you're outside of God's plan? If God's plan is to prosper you, but you're not experiencing prosperity, could it possibly be you're outside of his plan? You don't need to seek prosperity. You need to seek his plan. And when you're in his plant, you're going to prosper. You, you do not have to worry about that. Hello? You, you, you don't have to try to produce it. Why? Because I'm in his plan and it's coming. The blessing of God is going to hunt you down and capture you. Okay, it's going to get you. you you're not going to be disappointed. You're not going to be depressed. You're not going to be broken down by the plan. His, his, to prosper you is his plan, not harm you. To give you the hope of a future. The word hope is an expected end. There's an expected end in your future that God has created you for and created for you. And you're going to have a collision with destiny. Ecclesiastes 9, it, it says, uh, I, I look and, and I've seen that the race is not to the swift. The battle's not to the strong. Riches aren't to men of understanding. So, you know, everything that we think, he said, you know, I found out that that's not right. We think wrong. You think to win the race, you've got to be fast. No, you got to be in the right race. So you, if you're in the wrong race, Hebrews says run the, the appointed course that's set in front of you. You've got to run the right race. And a lot of us, we, we do everything we can to run fast. Problem is we're in the wrong race. If you're in the race God's created you for, you're already winning, right? 
The battle isn't to the strong. So here we are. We're doing everything we can to build ourselves up to handle situations. But if you're in God's plan, you're already positioned to win. See, there's something about the place that God has you. You know, every decision you make will lead you to a place. That's why we, we really got to, we really got to deal with our heart. We got to guard it. We got to protect it because our heart, those thoughts turn into emotions. Those emotions are making choices. Those choices are creating habits. Those habits are, are defining character and character is directly tied to final outcome. And if you are in the wrong place, see the word place, some of us, we just think, well, it's, you know, it's just a place, but the word place is position of effectual opportunity. See, this place that we're in, this is, we're not talking about the walls and, and, and the screens and, and, and the lights. No, the place. It's a position of effectual opportunity. When, when the Bible said give no place to the devil, he said don't give the enemy a, a position of effectual opportunity in your life. Close the door to the enemy. How do I do that? By being in the right place at the right time. The race isn't to the swift. The battle's not to the strong. Riches aren't to men of understanding. But time and chance happeneth unto all men. Time and chance. Time is a moment that's impregnated with purpose. Chance is the opportunity. You, you are going to have an oppor- a collision when, 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 when destiny collides with you. Why? Because you are in the plan of God. You're in the plan of God. Stand your ground. Don't be unstable. The earth is without form. It's chaos. Let me share this with you. Chaos always follows creation. Anytime there's something new, something blows up. Bible. Okay? The sower sowed the seed. The seed was the word of God. Remember? Some sowed on that ground, some on this ground, some on that other ground, some all over the place. It didn't make any difference. Where it was sown, they all got the same seed. They all got the same word. Sometimes it produced, some didn't. Why? Because it it got ripped off. In every situation, immediately the the enemy came to try to steal the seed. Your greatest satanic opposition will always come after your freshest revelation of God's word. Your greatest satanic opposition will always come after your freshest revelation of God's word. You you open the Bible and just start reading on the love of God and you're going to just walk in love. And the first thing you're going to do is hear the doorbell ring and everybody's standing on the front porch. We're going to find out if you got this or not, right? You get in your car, the love of, I'm going to, I'm going to be like God. I'm going to love people, people that don't matter to me. They matter to God. So I'm going to, I'm just going to try to love people. They're going to cut you off in traffic. They're going to slow you down in the grocery store. They're, you're going to get in line at, at, at a Jack in the box in the car, thinking that in just two minutes, I can grab some lunch and get out of here. And 37 minutes later, they'll hand you a freshly baked piece of yuck and you'll drive out the door and you'll be so upset. Why? Because the, the enemy's going to come try to steal that seed. You read the Bible, my people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place. Bless God, that's our scripture. We're going to paint it on the wall and all hell breaks loose in your house. Why? Well, because the enemy comes to see if he can get that seed. Chaos always follows creation, always. You're praying for a new thing, Isaiah 43, 18. Uh, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. For behold, I shall do a new thing. Shall you not know it? Now shall it spring forth. You believe in God for a new thing. A new thing is the introduction of chaos. So you, you're asking God to, to change things. And he is. And here's chaos. And you're going, my God, this is not what I wanted. Hey, it's not a problem. It is not a problem. Why? Because you have authority to change it. God shows you how. Look at verse 3. And God said, 
How do I deal with chaos? You're going to talk to it. You're going to talk to it. God said, let there be light. Oh, and look what happened. There was light. Aren't you glad that you and I weren't in control right there? We walk into a dark situation, and what do we say? Jesus dark in here. He walks up and says, he, you know what? Go, go back to verse 2. Check this out. The earth was without form, void. Darkness was upon the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God moved upon the water. Some of your Bible actually says hovered. The word is hovered. He, just, he hung out there for a minute. He, he, he just hung out there, man. He checked it out. He looked at it. You, you know where we mess up? is that we, you know, when we see darkness, when we see chaos, we just run. Why? Because we're unstable. You take a scripture, you start standing on it, here comes trouble, and you throw it down and run away from it. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. You get to the gas station, you go, oh my God, have you seen the price of gas? Now, wait a minute. Which paradigm, which thought process, which understanding is going to dictate your choices? Either God's supplying all your needs or gas is so expensive you can't afford to live. Which is it? Either, either God and his provision can take care of you or because of the high prices and the economy's out of whack and, and we are in deep yogurt. Which is it? How are you going to live? At some point, you've got to make up your mind. Because if you're not going to trust God, you probably should not wear the T-shirt. Why? Because people see the T-shirt and they think that that's what a believer looks like. You do understand that the, the picture of Christianity is way out of focus. Third world countries all around the world, they think Michael Jackson and Madonna are the picture, the perfect representation of an American Christian. Because they believe that everybody in America is Christian. Am I telling the truth? You've been to other countries. They find out that they think America is just filled up from, from the floor to the ceiling with Christians, and then they look at what we represent America with, with and, and these pictures, and they think that's, you know, no wonder they're irritated with Christians. Why? Because it's a bad picture. How do I deal with this chaos? You speak to it. Look at verse 3. God said, let there be light, and there was Light. Notice that God did not say what he saw, but he saw what he said. He did not say what he saw, but he saw what he said. Look at verse 4. Did I give you 4? God saw the light that it was good, and he divided the light from darkness. Now, right here in these four verses, there, there's, there's just some incredible stuff. You've you got to see it, and you've got to understand it. But b before we get real deep into this, check this out. We're, we're going to go through some of these real quick. Okay, you ready? Ready back there? Genesis 1-6, put it up. And God said, 1-9. And God said, look at verse 11. And God said, look at verse 14. And God said, 20. And God said, look at 24. And God said, do you get the picture? He's going through this chaotic mess, and what's he doing? He's changing it. How? By what he says. And look at verse 26, 126 again. And God said, let's make man in our image. And verse 27, 
God made man in his image. And verse 28, and God blessed man and said. Here's the deal. There's power in your words. Okay? You, You got the power to change things. Anybody can use their words to describe something. It takes something on the inside of you to use your words to change something. Okay? Now, how am I going to deal with chaos in my life? Well, number one, you're going to realize that chaos is normal. Quit acting like you're the only person on the planet that has it and realize that it's not a bad thing. It, this, it, the enemy did not just ruin your day. No, he set you up to demonstrate the glory of God. Right? He set you up. Hey, if they hadn't heated the furnace up, the three Hebrew children, that story wouldn't, it just wouldn't read real well. Okay? Took the three Hebrew children who wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, you know, uh, and, they, and they put them in an air-conditioned room and, and fed them ice cream. No, that, that doesn't read as well. Okay? David goes out and fights Goliath. Goliath was three foot eleven. No, that doesn't read so well. Right? It's not, it's not all that impressive. You, you, you know, the, have you ever wondered... Why they call that book the good news, and it's, it just seems like when you read it, from cover to cover, it's just filled with trouble. Good news. Yeah, because we always win. You always win. Look at your neighbor and say, you always win. Here's a scripture for you. Uh, uh, this is one of my favorites in the whole book. Jehoshaphat created vessels of Tarshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they went not for they were broken at Ejon Geber. Jehoshaphat created vessels of Tarshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they went not for they were broken at Ejon Geber. Jehoshaphat's the king. The king created vessels. The king created vessels, you and me, to go for the gold, but they didn't get the gold because they were broken at Ejon Geber. Ejon Geber's two words meaning backbone. So the king created vessels to get the gold, but they didn't get the gold because they didn't have the backbone to face a storm that prevented them from reaching the gold. There's always a storm attempting to prevent you from reaching the gold. What is golden? Accomplishing the purpose for which you were created. Right? So and if you're going to do what God's created you to do, you've got to have a backbone to face the storm. You can't be all weak and limp. You've got to be strong and secure. You've got to take your stand. You've got to get a backbone to deal with chaos. Chaos is everywhere. Okay? Every place we go. Why? Because we're creative. We're asking God for new things. We're getting out of the old and stepping into the new. Well, here comes something to mess it up to try to get you to move back to the old. Okay? If the enemy could, he'd get you to stay exactly where you are so he could contain you. But you're not going to stay there. You're going to grow. Well, if growth, if change is the way of life, you know, if you're going to grow, that means change. And change is going to introduce chaos. Hello? Come on now. You know, when you get married, it's a beautiful idea. It's a wonderful plan. And it is the introduction to chaos into your world. Hello? <laughs> oh man praise God y'all know who to pray for this week okay well is chaos bad no but you just got to hang out and you got okay here comes chaos now what do I do chill breathe look at it get the mind of God get, I said get the mind of God Don't deal with it the way you think it should be dealt with. Trust me, it'll be wrong. There's a way that seemeth right to you, but it's going to mess you up. You've been made in the image of God. Look at the value God placed on you when he made you in his image. But one one of the translations says that God imagined us and then he created us to be what he imagined. You have the right and the authority and the power to be all that God imagined you to be. 
But you got to stop. See, if the enemy can't prevent you, he will promote you. If he can't get you to live in poverty, he'll give you just enough prosperity that you kill yourself with it because you haven't developed the character to handle it yet. He'll, he'll move you quickly. In, in, you know, are you feeling me? Are you understand? He'll suck you into a place you're not prepared to be. Just stop for a minute. When chaos comes, uh, do, do the Selah thing. Just pause and calmly think about that. Just, just take it easy for a minute. Breathe. Don't be all upset. Don't be free. And whatever you do, don't speak about it. Man, you want to really change your world? Be quiet. Just, I don't encourage you to encourage each other here. You got to, this is something you got to kind of get on your own, or, or you might have to give license to your spouse to help you. Help me. That when I see chaos, help me to remember to be quiet. In the, uh, in the little video we watched, remember, God said, I will do to you exactly what I heard you say. Be quiet. Doesn't the Bible say that you shall have whatsoever you saith? Well, make sure that you want what you're saying. A lot of us, we've got a lot of what we said, and now we wish we'd never said it. Well, stop. Just, just hover. Just hover. Keep an eye on it. Guard your garden. God took man. He put him in the garden, and he said, dress and keep it. Guard it. Watch it. Protect it. Water it. Cultivate it. Make it grow. Make sure that what's growing here is what you planted. Just hang out here just a little bit, though. Don't get all excited. Just calm down. Check it out and look at it. If you are God's hand extended, when you touch something, shouldn't you be leaving his fingerprint? So when you leave a situation, shouldn't people know God was there? Shouldn't it look like something better happened because you were there, not something worse? Make sure that when you're dealing with your situation that you are doing what God would do. If God was here, what would he do? Well, I'm made in his image and in his likeness. I'm supposed to be like God. I'm supposed to be imitating God. So how would God handle this? How would God handle the price of gas? You really think he'd complain? How would he handle an employer that doesn't seem to understand? How would he handle, you know, children that didn't seem to obey? Can't you read it and find out how he handled it? He blessed them. Now, we got to be like God now. we got to stop long enough to find out what he would do. Why? So that we can do what he tells us to do. So you hover. Look at it. Watch it. Understand it. Don't get in a hurry. And then once you recognize what's needed, you begin to produce it. You're always looking outside trying to figure out how to pull something from the outside in. You know, in the original Hebrew text, when God said, let there be light, what he actually said was, light in me be. He said, I know how to fix this because what's in me will repair what's out here. Do you realize that what's in you will fix what's going on around you? I said, what's in you will fix what's going on around you. And until you got it in you, you can't produce it out of you anyways. 
So now you got to go back to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that you might observe to do. You got to see it to do it. So now I got to meditate day and night. I got to take that seed, get it in my mouth, go meditate it, meditate it, meditate it, meditate it. Why? So that when I begin to speak it, it's already occurred inside of me. It's already occurred inside of me. I, I got news for you. When God closes his eyes, he doesn't see darkness. He sees light. So he knew that in him was light. Doesn't the Bible say in him was light? In him was light. And so in him was light. So I can produce light. What is in you? See, the problem is you got chaos around you, but what you got to deal with first is the chaos in you. You, you, you got to deal with the chaos in you first. You got to calm that down. That's what that hovering thing's helping you do. Now you begin to speak not what you see, but what you need. Farmer doesn't throw seeds into the ground to, to, you know, that, to produce a harvest that he's got too much of. Right? He sows what he needs. You've you got to quit saying what you see so that you can see what you say. You've you, you just got to stop. You've got you to look at it. You've got to get led by the Spirit. And you've got to deal with that chaos inside of you. And then you've got to start speaking life out here in front of you. You're going to go from glory unto glory. We're going to end the glory and move into the glory. Somebody say amen. amen. And the glory, you know, we all shall be changed. But once you, once you produce the, the light and the darkness, look what he did. He, he separated it. You know, one of the things that we got to learn to do is to separate the life from the death, the blessing from the curse. You got to separate it. Look at Genesis 1, 4 again. God saw the light, that it was good, and he divided the light from the darkness. There's some separation that needs to occur. There's some things that are killing you. Well, you need to change it. You need to speak life, and then you need to disconnect from the junk that's been going on. You do not have the right to complain about that which you're willing to permit. So there are some things you got to end. You got to place a period and get on with life. There are relationships. I think the Bible says uh, evil communications corrupt good behavior. I think it's 1 Corinthians 16, 33, somewhere in there. Evil communications corrupts good behavior. You hang out with the wrong people, you're going to end up with the wrong attitude. You got the wrong attitude, you're going to have the wrong thoughts. Have the wrong thoughts, you're going to have the wrong emotions. Have the wrong emotions, you're going to make the wrong choices. Make the wrong choices, you're going to create the wrong habits. Have the wrong habits, you're going to have the wrong character. End up with the wrong character, you're going to end up with the wrong end result. There are some things in your world you need to change. You don't need me or anybody else to tell you. God himself will do that if you are in his presence. But you got to quit trying to get what you want and start asking God what he wants. You know, one little story before we close. Remember Lazarus. He was a friend of Jesus. The sisters send word to him. He's sick and he ain't looking good. Hurry home. The response Jesus had was to wait a few days. When he comes home, he's been dead four days. Everybody's upset. You remember that story that Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but unto the glory of God. Jesus knew the end at the beginning. 
Why? Because when he heard of the chaos in the news, he didn't rush. He listened. Somewhere he heard and he knew the end at the beginning. The Bible says God declares the end at the beginning. We have got to go into the presence of God and find the end. If you knew the end, you wouldn't be quitting in the middle. Chaos wouldn't be dictating your decision, but the end result would. See, the problem with human emotion is human emotion always makes a choice to protect our feeling. Godly emotion always makes a choice to protect our future. Everything God's ever done has been to protect the future of his family, of his children, of mankind. Jesus knows the end, so, uh, so he knows by the Spirit. He don't have to rush home. Well, what if he dies? Ain't going to change anything. All it's going to do is increase the glorification that God's going to receive. See, if, he, if we rush home and you got a cough and he prays for you and you're healed, so, you know, oh, thank you. But when he comes home and raises you from the dead, now we got a new story. See, some of us are wanting our situation to change, but we haven't talked to God about the situation yet. Hello? You don't know the end yet. See, God ain't going to kill you. He's going to bless you. He's going to empower you to win or succeed in this situation. You're, you're wanting God to change the situation, and God's wanting to change you. You're wanting God to translate you out of something, and God's wanting to deliver you. And the word deliver means equip to fight and win. God is wanting to grow a backbone inside of his people so that they will face their storm. We want the storm to be calm and still right now, and God wants you to go through the storm and demonstrate that there, there's nothing big enough to take you out. You, you want people to, to be silenced because what they're saying is hurting you, and God wants to strengthen you so that what people say no longer matters. Hello? You, you want the price of gas to come down so you don't have to exercise you know, uh, financial integrity. God wants you to have financial wisdom so the price of gas no longer dictates your traveling decisions. Hello? God, God wants us to rise up above the stuff so that the thing that used to knock us down, we're stepping over now. He wants us to get up on top and, and, and to see his plan and his purpose and, and the end result that he's called us to, that, that that has more power than anything that could possibly occur on the earth. You, you know what? There's a lot of stuff going on in your life. It's not even the devil. It's just life. Well, we got God life. See, trouble, chaos, and challenge dictates carnal life. But God life dictates all that stuff. See, when Jesus showed up back there at the house and they were all upset, he looks at Martha and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am resurrection life. Resurrection life. What is that? What is resurrection life? Resurrection life is this, that when death has done all it can do, when death has wore itself out, life stands back up again. So you, that's what you got in you. You got that God life. You got that resurrection life in you. And sometimes hell wears itself out and then you pop back up. Still here. You, you, you're like the energizer bunny. Still going. Still going. They, they, they said you're going to die. I'm still going. 
They said that you were swirling around. No, I'm still here. Hello, somebody. Life should have sucked you under. No, God lifted me up. Still going. Come on, somebody. It, well, I, I, I've been pressed on every side. Yeah, but not crushed. Struck down, but not struck out. Why? I got Zoe in me. I know how to handle chaos. I don't talk about it. I talk to it. And I, I don't say what I see, but I'm going to see what I said. Hello, somebody. You got to wrap your brain around that. Look at your neighbor and say, hurry up and get it. Amen. Close your book. Bow your head. Let me pray for you. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we just thank you that you are putting your word inside of our mouth. Your word in my heart changes me from the inside out. Father, we thank you.